This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free of the chains holding me. Is anybody out there hearing me? Set me free. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, Proclaim liberty to captives and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here. Thank you for joining us. We're heading into the holidays, and this is a time when... We usually get pretty busy. Sometimes December and January can be our busiest months of the year. And what I mean by busy for us means that we're getting more and more calls from people who want help from porn addiction and from healing from adultery and sex addiction and all that. And this time of the year can tend to pull a lot of people down because you get all those pictures of those happy scenes of families and and a lot of us <laughs> grew, grew up in families that were anything but. And that can rub those wounds raw and expose them and cause more pain and depression. And, and then if your coping mechanism has been to turn to pornography or something like that, it can deepen that bondage. So if that's you, I, I want to continue to encourage you to call us for help. We have phone conference groups for men and wives. We have couples counseling, individuals counseling. We do two-day intensives. I've written six books on recovering and healing for both husbands and wives. We offer retreats. So we have a lot of resources for you. So I encourage you to go to blazinggrace.org if you're in a bad place right now, especially with porn addiction and and give us a call or send us an email and let us let us help you. And today's show is called Merry Christmas, You Are at War. And, and what we see and what we hear is that a lot of be- believers really get under attack in the month of December. We hear a lot of marriage. I know one couple who every December... For the past couple of years, they would have a blow-up that would be so fierce that the wife would ask the husband to leave. So for whatever reason, Satan is on the move um, during the, the holiday, and he's attacking and trying to tear apart marriages and try to take people deeper into bondage and sin and try to discourage people with his lies and drive them into suicide and despair and depression and so in this show, I want to help equip you on what you can do in the spiritual battle that, that is coming at you. And in a country where we have given Satan a lot of ground, it's going to be even tougher with the battle, with the spiritual battle in the months to come, especially with the leadership we have that celebrates uh, sexual sin of all type, that celebrates child sacrifice, that celebrates the things that are evil in God's eyes. That's just going to give the enemy even more ground. So 
part of what we need to do and we want to do is help equip you to be a spiritual warrior, warrior and fighter. And, you know, when we see that, when we think about the Christmas, we think about the nativity scene and the peaceful moments of, you know, Jesus as a baby laying in a really clean feeding trough. And I don't know how clean it really was in a barn, which probably stank and had animal manure all over it. And what I want to kind of what I, what I want to bring to the light and remind you of is that not long before Jesus was born, the the wise men or the magi, as the Bible calls them from the east, visit they visit Herod, the ruler of Galilee, and they ask him where would the king of the Jews be born. And Herod freaks and tells them to provide him with Jesus's location once they found him, and he sends him off. The wise men then go. And they find Jesus after he's born. And, and then God warns them in a dream not to return. And so Herod, before Jesus is born, is already, already planning to kill him. And who do you think is behind that? That is Satan already planning an attack to kill the Son of God in an infant form before he's even launched in this world. And then... The night Jesus is born, we know the shepherds encounter a host of angels who are singing praises to God. And, and, and then after the magi or the wise men leave, they don't go back to Herod. Herod figures it out that they're not coming to see him, and he gets furious, and he orders small baby boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding regions, not just Bethlehem, but the surrounding regions, think about that, killed. And we're, I'm going to read from Matthew 2, 16 to 18. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity, from two years old and under, according to the time when he had determined for the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. And so we are a church at war. God's people are at war. And I would suggest to you that when Jesus came to earth, it was an invasion. So if you think about a legion of angels or legions of angels, hundreds or even thousands, tens of thousands of angels accounting those shepherds, I wouldn't be surprised that part of their mission was to accompany the Son of God in his arrival on earth. And when I say accompany, I mean he was already being formed in Mary's womb, but for his arrival on earth, I guess I should say, that to me sounds like an invasion force. And so the first Christmas was an act of war. Have you ever thought of it that way? And now we're moving into Christmas again, and a lot of you are going through spiritual warfare at different levels. So when we, when we approach the Christmas season, we need to have a wide perspective on it and not just focus in on the manger only, but the price that Jesus paid. And all the way through the cross, when he grew into an adult, he was constantly fighting with the religious leaders, and he died a brutal death. That's a warrior right there, and that's who we have to become. If there are any of you 
who are listening to my words right now and you're contemplating suicide, please don't. Suicide happens when two things happen for the most part. One is people buy into the enemy's lies that this is the best their life's going to get. There's no hope. People will be better without me. The enemy comes and he just starts pounding the man or the woman with all these lies. And if the person buckles and caves and gives in and says, yeah, there is no hope and people will be better without me, that that's the warfare that the enemy is after to steal, kill, and destroy. Do not let him win, please. Do not do that. Reach out. You can call our office if you're in that place or get a hold of a friend, but don't go there. Don't let the enemy tear your life apart. You've only got one life to live, and there is hope. And and then marriages. We hear a lot of marriages that are war, as I mentioned before. And so I want to get into this, the equipping part of this program by sharing a couple stories with you of some battles I fought and what those look like to help you get a feel for what warfare can look like. And before I get into this, this is not 10 steps on how to win spiritual battles. <laughs> we make a big mistake in the American church when we give people five steps, 10 steps, 20 steps. Each battle is different. And oftentimes there are different strategies that have to be taken up. That's not true with every single battle. There are a lot of um, principles that you can rest on when it comes to fighting battle, but sometimes the battle has, battle has to be fought a different way. So back in 2009, that's when the economy had collapsed and the economy is still a big mess. I was alone in my office building and in the room there was an overwhelming sense of a presence of evil and the the presence was so thick and so dark and so ugly it almost felt like there was soot like like a dark cloud just encompassing me and i had been a place in in the months leading up to that where i'd been giving in to fear quite a bit and and that that's a big mistake that i had been making in Fear is one of the enemies, the first darts he hits people with. And so I was in that place, and I encounter that dark and evil presence. And the first thing that comes to my mind is maybe I should go to the church and run and ask for prayer. But I had done that before, and it hadn't worked. And and I knew that in, this, in the place I was in and the assault that was right in front of me, that if I ran, it would have been a big mistake. But I didn't know what to do. I mean, it was so intense that I, I literally cried out to God and said, God, if you want my life, you can have it. That's how, that's how bad it was. And he didn't take my life. So, and I, again, I didn't know what to do. So I just got my Bible out and I just started praying through scripture. I started praying Psalms aloud. And, th and that's all I did. And after a period of, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, the presence evaporated and it was gone. And praying scripture is going to be one of your most powerful weapons. And it's something that you can take up if you ever get in a place where you're coming under assault. And Psalm 91 is the great warfare chapter. So what I want to do is 
I want to read it for you now. And what I do, sometimes when we read Scripture, what you want to do is personalize it. So I'm going to read Psalm 91 for you, but I'm going to personalize it so you get a feel for what that sounds like. He who dwells in the shelter, shelter of the Most High, that's how it starts out. And what I'll say is, God, I now come under your shelter, Most High God. I will abide in your shadow, Almighty God. You, Lord, are my refuge and my fortress. You are my God in whom I trust. You will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. You will cover me with your pinions. Under your wings I find refuge, O God. Your faithfulness is my shield and buckler, O God. I will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. I will only look with my eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. I have made you, Lord, my dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall me. No plague come near my tent. Lord, command your angels concerning me right now to guard me in all my ways. On their hands you have promised God that they will bear me up lest I strike my foot against a stone. I will tread on the lion and the adder, uh, the young lion and the serpent I will trample underfoot. Because, Lord, I hold fast to you in love, you will deliver me as you promised. You will protect me because I know your name. When I call to you, you will answer me. You will be with me in trouble. You will rescue me and honor me with long life. You will satisfy me and show me your salvation. That is a prayer of power, and it's also a prayer, when you personalize it, it becomes a prayer of faith. Those two things supercharge prayer and make it a big-time weapon. So if you're under assault, that's one place you can start. And I'll share another story from a couple years later. Uh, I was, I think, uh, maybe the second or third day of, of a fast. And it was early in the morning, and I was having time with the Lord in, in His Word. And I start getting bombarded with all of these evil, horrible thoughts. And I know it's the enemy wailing on me. And so I I pray scripture. It doesn't stop. I keep praying. It doesn't stop. This goes on for a while. I mean, I'm talking like, I don't know, an hour while I'm getting ready. And it just doesn't stop. I get in my car. I'm driving to work. It's still, they're still wailing on me. And then finally I get mad. And at the top of my lungs, I just scream out, in the name of Jesus Christ, I who, am a citizen, I who am a citizen of heaven, seated with Christ in the heavenly places, command any evil spirits messing with me in any way to stop and to go where Jesus Christ would send you to go. Bam. Instant peace. There will be times when you will need to, call, you will need to take up your authority as a believer in Jesus Christ, that God has given you and, and shut down the work of the enemy in your life and in the work of your family. And in Ephesians 2, we're told that we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies, far above all, all authority and power and dominion, meaning the demonic realm. You have been given Christ's authority if you are his son or his daughter, blood-bought, believing in Jesus Christ for your only, only, the only way for your salvation. You have that authority to shut those things down. 
there will be times you will need to take that up. If you want to go back and listen to what what I how I just uh, what I just said or how we've been praying later, this show will be on a podcast. You can go back and listen to it again. So go back. You can go to blazinggrace.org or iTunes or Spotify, and so you can play that for this information. The other thing you need to understand is that in warfare, sin gives the enemy access to our life. So if you've got sin in your life, ongoing sin that you're not letting go or you're not confronting or facing or dealing with, I don't care what you do or what you pray, you've given the enemy that ground. So if you're continually binging on pornography, for example, you're giving the enemy, it's like opening a door to one of the rooms, one of the chambers in your heart. So you're gonna, if you want to shut that area of warfare down, <laughs> you're going to have to shut the area of sin down. If you've been letting bitterness own you for a while, you've given enemy, the enemy some ground. If God's been saying to you, hey, I want you to forgive this person, you've been saying, no, Lord, I don't want to, you've given the enemy ground to fester and poison you with resentful, ugly, judging, bitter thoughts. And, and until you take a position of obedience and say, okay, God, I'm co- going to cooperate with you. I'm going to forgive that person. You've given the enemy ground to mess with you. So sin is an open door that allows the enemy to mess, mess you up. And the, the, um, the remedy, thank God, is always there, which... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, God, I'm in bondage to pornography. I confess my sin. Will you cleanse me now? God, I've been bitter against this person, and you've been telling me to forgive them. I confess my sin of disobedience and rebellion. Will you please cleanse me now? And then you go and do the next step the Lord has given you to do. And this is where some Christians get stuck is because more often than not, when we're talking to people, we'll ask them, what is God telling you to do? And and usually that's come after they've asked us, what do you think I should do? And sometimes I'll say, well, what has God been telling you to do? And then they'll, <laughs> they'll tell me what they've been hearing from the Lord. And, and I just look at them, well, there you go. So if God's been telling you to forgive somebody, go and forgive them. If he's been telling you to go, get in touch with somebody to help you with your, if it's a porn addiction or whatever sin it is, go and do that. If he's been telling you to contact us, then go and contact us. Take that step. Take that action step. Don't just sit there and wallow in the sewage. One of the enemy's strategies is to attack an emotional wound. So let's say somebody hurt you deeply years ago. Maybe you're growing up and your mom or your dad, I don't know, beat you or maybe they said something to you that was harsh, that was a wound that really cut you to your core. And if you've never dealt with that and that wound is there, what the enemy will sometimes do is they'll go in and attack that wound. So in the wound, there's often a package of lies. So let's just say when my parents said to me, you'll never amount to anything you can't do anything right. That lie can stick and become your core belief system that 
since I cannot do anything right, I cannot be accepted as I am. And since I'm not accepted as I am, God doesn't love me. And so there's a chain reaction of, of pain and bondage there that is caused by that set of lies. And until that wound, until those lies are exposed and brought to the light, to healing with the Lord, what the enemy does is he'll keep repeating those lies to you over and over again. See, God doesn't love you. He's not with you because you were never good enough. And he'll repeat those over and over again until you cry out and say, God, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to deal with this. I'm ready to heal. And and then what the enemy does is he can also throw fear at those wounds. You know, you dare not tell anybody else what you're going through, because if you do, they're going to reject you as a freak. You dare not tell anybody that you're struggling with doubt, because anyone who doubts, are they really a Christian, and are you a really Christian because you're doubting? You know, shame on you, and you know you should not be telling anybody these things. This is part of the spiritual warfare, and a lot of people are blind to the fact that just because you have a thought that enters your mind doesn't mean it's yours. The enemy is very good at planting those thoughts in your mind. So part of your journey as your walk as a Christian is to start having discernment. Lord, are these thoughts of you? Are these of me? Or are these of the enemy? And the easy way, the easy filter is God's word. So you have to be in God's word every single day and you have to know the truth and you have to stand on the truth. And God does not convict by fear. We are told the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom The fools despise wisdom instruction, but there's righteous fear and there's torment fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So when I'm fearing God, it's because I know that sin is a very serious problem and I don't want to mess with that and I don't want to put myself in a place of getting disciplined. His discipline is very painful, as I know from experience. But there's the kind of fear that is the torment of the enemy there. And you have to filter that through. There is no condemnation through those who are in Jesus Christ. When God convicts of sin, he convicts very gently. So condemnation is a sledgehammer from the enemy. Conviction is like a scalpel that just touches very gently the, the place where he needs to cut. And his, the Lord's purpose is always to restore and to provide healing. So if that's if you're listening to my words and you know you there's something you need help with, you know, you can let us help you or you can share this with a friend and ask him to pray for you, but don't just sit there and let the enemy wail on you and keep not destroying but really thwarting your Christian life with his lies. You have to stand up on the truth, you have to stand up on his word, but you also have to allow the Lord to heal you and Part of the issue is that some of us have a habit of stuffing our feelings and not wanting to feel pain. But, you know, it's, it's if you got cancer, what are you going to do? Say, I don't want to have surgery because, you know, I don't want to feel that pain. Or are you going to wait two or three years until it, you know, takes your life? And then after you have the surgery, yeah, there's recovery, but then it's over with, and hopefully, and then you move on. So the thing is that God always convicts the heals exposed wounds for the purpose of healing and restoration and i've walked through it with him plenty of times where he's exposed lies i'd bought into and it is so freeing and it is so wonderful and i think there's 
I know there are people who are listening to me and you're in this place. Married people, you should be praying together every day, praying for each other, praying for your family, praying for your kids. You should be on your knees every day. We need to be on our knees every day for our country these days. And as I did the last show, I want to continue to challenge you. Churches everywhere, put your believers on their knees every single weekend service. We've got to start becoming houses of prayer. We've got to start doing what God shows us to do in his word. And as he said in James, be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So let's go to war. We have the living God. We have all of his power and blessings and love and and you you know if you know him you are filled with this holy spirit you have more spiritual power than you realize talk to you next time do you want to be free blazing grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on mike Janung's books groups counseling or to have mike speak at your organization you can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144. Yeah.